Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association with Olay, Olay.com, the football community website. I was just writing down what's going to be on this Arscast and I thought there wasn't very much, but there appears to be quite a bit. Between now and the end, we will have a blog chat with Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com in, in which we discuss various things. I'll tell you more about that a bit later. Uh, the man in the bar is here. He's got a player history. Uh, Arsene Wenger Hawkins is here. We've also got uh, an interview regarding Carlos Vela uh, with a journalist called uh, Carlos Ducado from the Osasuna Sentinel. The winner of the Savile Rogue scarf will be announced a bit later on, and there'll probably be some other bits and pieces in there as well, I think. Wine of the week this week is is red, and that's about all we know about it. But red is a lucky color for Arsenal fans, you see, and I'll tell you why. I was at a casino on Saturday night at a friend's uh, stag party and uh, had about five, uh, five euros in change, which I put on a roulette chip and at five euros, and eventually I'd gotten up, I was up to about 45, 50 euros. And seeing red or black, I think, I'll just have one last go at it. And I'll put it on red, because red is a lucky colour for Arsenal fans. Put it all on red, and you know what? It lost. Bastard thing. I lost everything. Everything. I could have spent all that money on booze, you know. It's a bit upsetting, but never mind. Uh, since the last Arscast, what's been happening? Well, uh, we beat Wigan at the weekend, leaving it very late. But late is better than never at all, I suppose. A great first goal from William Gallas, who uh, who is doing the doing the stuff on the pitch this season, uh, along with the stuff he's doing with his mouth, he's doing it with his feet as well. And it's, uh, it's really good to see. Second goal from Thomas Rosicki, who may need to step his game up a little bit uh, if Leb is out and if uh, Sesk is going to be out for a few days. And Rosicki is probably the most creative uh, midfielder we have left, so maybe there'll be a bit of an onus on him. The uh, the goal will do him uh, a lot of good. Midweek, obviously, was the uh, 3-1 defeat to Sevilla, which I only saw the first half hour of live. And uh, I thought we did all right up, up until the point they scored. And then uh, after that, I believe it just wasn't great. Uh, the first goal, obviously, questions over uh, Philippe Senderos and uh, and Gilberto. Um, second goal was a really fantastic header, but nobody was marking Fabiano. And the third goal, uh, I don't know, didn't look like a penalty, but then I don't suppose it really made that much difference uh, at the end of the day. Uh, some criticisms of Senderos and the, the defense after the game. Uh, we'll address those in the blog chat uh, with Mr. Gunnar Hollick in, in a couple of minutes' time. Now, that was the first defeat since uh, April, and all along everybody's been saying, 
you know, uh, we'll see how this team does when they lose a game. I think uh, they've surprised uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, from the people who who had serious doubts to the people who had a little bit of faith to the people who had total faith even. I think everybody's a little bit surprised at how good the start to the season has been. Uh, It's been tremendously enjoyable. And now this is the first little bit of a setback. It's only a 3-1 defeat away from home in a game which wasn't uh, that crucial. But we'll see how they react uh, and see if the pride has been stung a little bit and they want to get themselves back on track uh, quickly and prove that one defeat isn't going uh, to knock this team uh, out of its stride. In terms of the group in Europe, uh, there's still every chance we can finish top. Uh, It is out of our hands, of course. Uh, If Sevilla beat uh, Slavia Prague, then uh, they're going to finish top of the group. If they fail to beat Slavia Prague, though, we will finish top of the group, provided we beat Stau Bucharest uh, at home. So um, you'd have to think the latter part of that was quite uh, achievable. And Slavia Prague are strong at home. I don't think anybody's beaten them in... I don't know how long. We only drew nil-nil, and they'll uh, they'll be playing for pride as well uh, against Sevilla. So um, we'll see what happens. Either way, uh, you're going to face a, a fairly decent team, and uh, it doesn't always work out the way you might want. If you remember the year we got to the final, uh, we faced Real Madrid in the second round, the first knockout round, having finished top of our group. So there's not always that advantage. And last year we had PSV, which everybody would have assumed to be a much easier game than Real Madrid. So I think the point is uh, que sera, sera, and all that. We'll just have to uh, take it as it comes. Um, now then, it's time to welcome a new blog chatter to the uh, blog chat on the Arscast uh, from Gunnarholic.com. It is uh, Gunnarholic, in which we discuss uh, the defeat to uh, Sevilla, uh, Philippe Senderos and the reaction to uh, his performance, uh, and maybe Arsene's priorities, and a look ahead to the league games against Aston Villa and Newcastle. So um, here it is. Right now in the Arscast, it's time for the blog chat and a brand new blog chatter. It is Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com. Hello to you. Hello there, blogs. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Um, now, Gunnar Hollick, is that, you know, a cross between Gunnar and Alcoholic or <laughs> Monster Munchaholic? Or... Yeah, it started pretty much as being addicted to Arsenal, but it's developed from there, as I'm sure you can imagine. So you've developed uh, a drinking problem during the course uh, of having your blog. The, the, the problem is maybe putting it strong, but I'll, I'll enjoy a Guinness <laughs> or two before the game, yes. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> um, right, let, let, let's look at the Sevilla game. And um, it's the first time we've lost since April. And understandably, some people were you know, unhappy. Nobody likes to lose. But it really wasn't the, the end of the world, was it? Well, I don't think so. And I, I, I kind of made a point in uh, my blog that when you've been around for a long time, losing a game to undoubtedly the other best team in the group, uh, particularly with the side that we took out there, wasn't the greatest disaster. Um, when you consider what's coming up in December, I think he had to start uh, perhaps rotating is the, the word of the, the the moment, isn't it? Rotating the side. Mm. And... Um, uh, all right, we've probably got the result we deserved in the end. We kind of committed suicide, uh, but it wasn't the worst thing to happen, and I, I, I don't think it's going to have any lasting effect on, on the coming weeks. I hope not, anyway. No, okay. Uh, based on the, the team that he picked for, uh, not, only the, uh, not only the Sevilla game, but the Slavia-Prague game, mm. do you think it would be a fair assumption um, that Arsene's priority this season is the, the Premier League? 
while it well, would be nice, let's say, to, to, to go far in the Champions League, having finished in fourth place the last couple of seasons, uh, he wants to do better uh, domestically than, than in Europe. Absolutely. It's his priority. Once he's won the first four games or he's won the first three games and he knows they're pretty much guaranteed going through, I don't think he's that concerned about whether it's going through as winners or runners-up. Just getting through, getting Europe out of the way as early as he could was probably at the forefront of his mind so that they can concentrate on the Premier League because we know that in the last couple of seasons... We've had a pretty rough time around November, December in the league. He wants to try. I think he wanted this time to make sure that that didn't happen again. And so far, so good. Okay. Um, one of the talking points, I suppose, well, well uh, something a lot of people concentrated on after the Sevilla game was the was a performance of of Philippe Senderos. Um, <laughs> now, I. I regular readers and listeners to the Irish Castle know I've always liked Senderos because I sort of identify with him as a as a centre half, not perhaps blessed with the, uh, the the most pace in the world. And unfortunately, the the more bad things happen to him, the more I identify with him, which probably says more about me than about Philip Senderos. <laughs> um, however, there can't really be any denying the fact that that he's struggling at the moment, and and the Senderos that we're seeing now. Compared to the guy that broke into the team and looked uh, incredibly solid and and uh, uh, and could be a defender that that would be in the heart of our defence for for years to come, they're, they're two very different players. Have you any sort of theories on on what's going on? Is it just a case that he lacks confidence, or are we are we looking at uh, a situation where maybe he's he's not good enough? Well, like you say, I don't think it's a question of not being not good enough. If you look back to the season before last when Sol Campbell went for a Lucas aid at half-time against West Ham and didn't come back, Senderos came in and, in fact, played, if, um, if I remember correctly, he played probably about 30 games in that season where he got a run together, he looked solid. He had the other disadvantage that he didn't have a regular left-back alongside him either mm. uh, because Flamini came in. And he was part of that defence that created a, a Champions League record when we were on our way to the final. So I don't think there's anything inherently um, bad about him as a player, but I do think that um, as a result of just sort of coming in for a game or two, going out, coming in, going out, I think he does lack match practice. It costs him his confidence. I don't think he's one of these guys that's going to come in and, and, and play, you know, at 100% when he is only making the occasional appearance. And I don't think he's alone in that. If you look around at the other big sides at the top, if Chelsea, for example, lose Terry, uh, if Manchester United lose Ferdinand, you talk to their supporters, they're really worried about the guys that come in if they're just coming in to do a job for two or three games because they, they don't bring the same to the table. And I think Senderos is perhaps suffering unkindly from that, but there's no doubt, no, he's, he's not playing as well as he was a couple of years ago. And is there a future for him? I don't know. Okay. Would it be a coincidence perhaps that uh, his best spell uh, as an Arsenal player came when Martin Keown was involved in the defensive coaching in the club? Um. It's entirely possible. I, I, I must admit that uh, Keown seemed to do a lot of good things in that sort of six-month spell where he was there that you look at and you wonder, or you certainly wondered last season, 
were they missing that input? Um, because it wasn't just Senderos. It was even when William Gallus came back, he and Colo didn't seem to have that great a partnership. Mm. Um, although, having said that, of course, the two have got together like a house on fire this season, Certainly which have. is great and I'm delighted mm. about. But, you know... Well, let's look ahead then to the uh, to the Aston Villa game this weekend, and, and we can look uh, a little bit further ahead to the Newcastle game. It looks like Sesk may be out for about 10 days with a hamstring strain. As I sort of yeah. mentioned in the blog, games against Villa, who are going very well, in fairness, they're in sixth place in the league now, and, and they're only six points behind us. Um, but games against Villa and Newcastle and, and, and Middlesbrough next weekend, are, if you had to choose, those would be the games that you'd, you'd miss Sesk for. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, particularly when you've already had the chance to play Danielson a couple of games in a row. Because if you look at what's there, although we've got an abundance of riches, um, Danielson really is the natural replacement for Sesk, if you like. He's the one that they're likely to, I would think, turn to and maybe increase a little bit the responsibility that he gives to Rosicki. It will all depend whether he goes into the, these three games, I think, with a five-man midfield or a four-man midfield. Um, and that may depend on whether Van Persie is fit or not. I read in the Telegraph that there's a chance he may not make Saturday, right. um, which is unfortunate. But I, I think Danielson's the likely replacement for Sesk. Uh, the the most like for like player if you if you if you will. Speaking of that, the five man midfield or, or playing two up front, Eduardo was shown that when he gets in the box, uh, he can finish, and he did so. Uh, he did so very well against Sevilla t- with the opening goal. Um, should perhaps we now think about him playing him up front rather than isolating him out on the left hand side where he doesn't really seem that comfortable? Yeah, personally, I certainly would, and for exactly the reason that you say. It's not necessarily that he doesn't look so comfortable out there either. It's just that he doesn't do perhaps the work coming back that you expect of the player who's going to be on the left-hand side of a five. Um, Now, whether that's the, the physical shortcoming that Wenger talks about when he talks about him, I don't know. But I would like to see him have a couple of games. If Van Persie is going to be out, I would like to see him given a couple of games alongside Adebayor. Uh, in his more traditional role, in the role that he's used to playing for his country. And if you look at his goal-scoring record at international level, it's tremendous. Certainly is. Uh, Newcastle in midweek as well. Any fears about travelling to the northeast? <laughs> I would have done this time last year. Um, you'll have noticed as the season's gone on, I've become a lot more bullish about uh, our chances when they've cropped up. I, I'm, I'm pr- quite concerned about the Villa game, but Newcastle, I think we can go there and do a job now. I think that uh, Allardyce has got his problems up there. They only have one way, really, that they can approach the game. And we've shown when we've played the likes of Wigan this year and Bolton that we can now cope with what he's likely to throw at us. So I'm quite looking forward to the games at Newcastle and Middlesbrough. I'd be very disappointed if we dropped points in more than one of these three games coming up. Okay, well, three away games in uh, in eight days. It's a good test for the team. Gunnar Hollick, we better leave it there, but thanks very much. We'll talk to you on another Arscast very soon. And thank you very much, Blogs. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 10 years a decade. 100 years a century, 
1,000 years a millennium. This is Spy News on the Hour, every hour. Good afternoon, this is the main story. The relationship between Liverpool manager Rafa Benitez and the new American owners has deteriorated even further. Reports suggest that Benitez turned up at the home of Tom Hicks last night and bombarded him with question after question after question. Hicks was to say later, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. We'll have more in an hour. Thank you very much to Mr. Gunnar Hollick uh, for his blog chatting, and uh, we'll talk to him again soon. And now then, before we go on with something else, I wanted to tell you something. But of course, I've completely and utterly forgotten what that is. It was most definitely something, so it was. Uh, in direct connection with something else. Maybe some larger part of that. I don't know. It's gone forever. Sorry about that. Uh, I may remember before the end. But I probably won't, you see. Uh, still to come, uh, the winner of the Savile Rogue Scarf competition. Uh, also, uh, uh, an interesting little story of coincidence involved in the competition itself. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about OleOle.com and uh, Arsene Wenger Hawkins will be along in a, uh, in a short few minutes. But now, though, the man in the bar has got another player history. Hello! Good evening and welcome to another player history. It's nice to see you, to see you nice. Oh, shut that door. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Oh, I could crush a grape. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. The flashbacks have started again. Stop, stop, stop. Oh, okay. No, I'm, be I'm better now. Okay. Right. Well, this week we're going to tell you about an Arsenal player that comes from a strange and terrible land where dark things happen on the streets and awful creatures roam every corner. That's right. It's Northern Ireland. And the fellow in question is called Steve Morrow. Now... Steve Morrow made his debut for Arsenal in 1992 and he was a bit of a sort of a utility player. A bit like one of those screwdrivers that's a flathead and also a Phillips head. You get me? Anyway, 
He played in midfield for the most part, and the day that everybody remembers about Steve Morrow is the 1993 Coca-Cola Cup Final. Arsenal were playing Sheffield Wednesday. It was 1-1. Oh, the tension was only mighty. But who cropped up with the winning goal? That's right. Steve Morrow. Oh, it should have been his finest day. He should have been milking the glory and lapping it all up and, and getting all the lovely women after him. But no, you see what happened with this. Tony Adams, being the lively JP sort of a chap that he was, decided for some reason to pick up Steve Morrow. I mean, why would you just go pick somebody up? Could you not just leave them on their feet and give them a pat on the head and say well done? No, Tony had to pick him up. And Tony, you see, was a bit of a butterfingers and he dropped him and he broke his arm. Steve Morrow, that is, not Tony Adams. And poor old Morrow, he, he couldn't even go up and collect his medal. They had to take him off to Hustable. Oh, Jesus, it was awful. His career went into the bit of a skids then, you see. He ended up at QPR and things got so bad that he ended up playing Major League Soccer in the United States. Oh, the poor cunt, oh, for fuck's sake. As you can imagine, it made him all a bit bitter, you see. And he took his life savings and he bought a small island, so he did. And on that island, he took an open university course and got a doctorate. And then what he did was he set up a laboratory and he started to conduct these terrible experiments, producing these abominations. They were crossed between animals and humans. There was an elephant boy, there was a panther woman, oh God, there was even a badger girl. Can you imagine? Eventually he was shut down though. The government came after him and they closed down the island of Dr. Morrow. And I know this much is true. The man in the bar will be back with another player history on next week's Arscast. I've just received an email from Alexandra Hagen. And the subject line is Mouth, Compact Disc, Onion, Torch, Torpedo, Circus and Pepper. And I was looking at it going, should I open that? You know, it's it's spam anyway. But is there yeah, mouth there? Yeah, I've got a mouth. Compact discs, yeah, they're kind of interesting. Onion, I like onions. Torches are handy. Torpedoes, I would like a torpedo one day. Circus, not too fond of circuses, to be honest. Too many clowns, and I am not a fan of clowns. Let me tell you. Pepper, I'm a big fan of pepper, I have to say. So I opened it, and it was selling me watches. Interesting, so would buy this watch, it's really great, not have been a better subject line than, what was it? Mouth, compact disc, onion, torch, torpedo, circus, pepper. I'm beginning to worry about the spammers of this generation. <sighs> Spam's not like it used to be. It really isn't. Uh, what is coming up? Oh, the, uh, the, uh, the winner of the Savile Rogue Scarf. Uh, the random number generator, and a look ahead to the Aston Villa game and some injury news and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins is here now. Hello, everyone. It's your old friend Arsene Wenger-Hawkins. Sadly, the recent upgrade to my operating system caused a number of serious bugs, so I have had to revert to the old one. The most serious bug was the fact that my foot got infected with blowfly larva, and as I couldn't feel it, they devoured my left leg, right up to the knee. Doctors have had to amputate, and as an interim measure, they have fitted the lower leg of a mannequin from a shop window. Nothing's gonna stop me now. 
I read with interest about Michel Platini saying that Arsenal don't have enough English players. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Platini made his name and fortune playing in Italy, and if my geography isn't lying to me France is not part of Italy. As well as that what about all the other top French players? Like Henry, Vieira, Macaulay Dile, Ripari, Zidane and Jean-Claude Darcheville. They don't ply their trade in their home country so Platini should concentrate on getting a decent haircut before drinking a great big glass of shut-up juice. Also this week I was banned from my local supermarket for one week. I have no idea why. I was just asking the girl behind the meat counter if she helped me with my sausage and all of a sudden I was being forcibly removed from the premises. Well, the joke's on them. I injected all the baby food with laxatives and MDMA. I suspect there aren't enough lawyers in the world to save them. Can you imagine the poor little mites off their heads and shitting themselves stupid while listening to banging house music? Ha 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 ha. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to eat some baby food. Oh yes. Arsene Wenger Hawkins will be back on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, Arsene Wenger was talking this week about Carlos Vela, uh, the young Mexican boy uh, who's uh, on loan from us to uh, Spanish side Osasuna. Um, Arsene Wenger says, we scare him every week when he plays. He can apply for a passport in March and he'll start with us next summer. He'll straight away be with the first team, and after that it's up to him to get a place in the side. So big things are expected of Carlos Vela, the new Hugo Sanchez, they called him in Mexico. And there's a, quite an interesting interview with him in this uh, month's Arsenal magazine as well. Um, so far he's uh, taken part in nine league games. He's started only three of those, but he has scored one goal and made two assists. So we'll keep an eye on him and see what he does for the rest of the season. Top flight football in Spain is going to do him uh, the world of good by the time he arrives to us. And obviously he's somebody that we're all going to look forward to seeing on the pitch uh, next season. Now to get a little bit more information about uh, about Carlos Vela, uh, I, I called a journalist uh, in Spain, Carlos Ducados. Uh, he's from the Osasuna Sentinel, and uh, this happened a, a little bit earlier. Carlos, thanks very much for uh, taking the time to talk to Ars Blog. Um, obviously, we're interested in uh, in Carlos Vela. Uh, how is he getting on in uh, in Spain? Muy uh, bien. Yeah, he he started the season on the bench, but he's now beginning to get a, a bit of first team action. He scored his first goal uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, how was that? Sí, muy bien. Obviously, there's a world of difference between the uh, Spanish league and the Mexican league in that the uh, the football in England is a lot more physical. Do you think he'll be able to cope with the more robust uh, demands of the Premier League? Sí, muy bien. And what about the climate? Um, obviously, that's proved a challenge for other people in the past. Jose Antonio Reyes, for example, couldn't cope with uh, the difference between uh, England and, and Sevilla. Uh, will that be a factor for Carlos? Sí, muy bien. But you think he should be able to adapt in time? I mean, he's re he's really got the talent, hasn't he? He's a very, very good player. Sí, estupendo. Carlos, thank you very much. You better leave it there. It's been uh, tremendously uh, insightful, I have to say. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Eh, muy bien. You know where to get all the good stuff from now on, don't you? Yeah, exclusive interviews like that only here on Arsblog. We go to depths that others will not go to in order to bring you the news and the Arsenal stuff. So there. Now, the Savile Rogue Scarf Competition. Um, 
It's time for the random number generator to do its thing, just about. The question was, who scored the winning goal against Wigan last year at the Grove? And the answer, of course, was Thomas Rosicki. Um, lots of you entered. Um, so now the, uh, the, the random number generator will do its thing. One second. Here. This week, the random number generator has chosen Sean Carroll. So well done to you, Sean. Uh, I'll be in touch. I'll drop you an email to get your address, and then I'll pass it on to the guys at Savile Rogue. And thank you very much to uh, Savile Rogue for giving me these scarves to give away as prizes the last few weeks. Uh, I'm sure we might be able to wangle one or two more out of them when the uh, winter really sets in. They, they're good guys, you see. Uh, and if you are looking for Christmas presents for somebody, you could do a lot worse. They're really, really nice. I've got mine, and it's around my neck. Um, not right now, but when I go outside, you see. Now, the uh, the scarf competition threw up a little bit of a, a strange story, a coincidence. Years ago, well, me and Mrs. Bloggs went looking for our first house. We found this uh, really cool little Victorian cottage. Um, and uh, we went in, had a look around. Obviously, the people that lived in the house at that time were, were, were out of the house. The estate agents take them out. So you got to look around. The estate agent shows you around, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at the wall going, Look, that's fucking cool. This guy has got an Arsenal shirt on the wall signed by players. This is fucking awesome. We're definitely going to buy this house. This house is fated for us, I promise you. But that that struck a chord with me, and lo and behold, we bought the house. Um, The people that did live there, the guy that did live there, obviously was an Arsenal fan, and he entered the competition on... Uh, on Monday, or last Friday, it was one of the first uh, entries. I'm sorry you didn't win, but I couldn't have told this story, and I did not make you win because of this story, so don't worry about that. But uh, uh, Simon Dry, I hope he doesn't mind me uh, mentioning his name, um, he emailed into the competition, and I sent him an email then going, ha, guess what? Do you remember me? I, I bought your house. And he said, so you did. Jesus, there's the thing. Uh, and that, that was really the extent of the of the coincidence. I thought it was quite interesting, though. So there you go. Anyway, he's uh, on a promise for a pint next time he's in Dublin because we had some uh, good fun in that house over the years, I have to say. Now, looking ahead uh, to the Aston Villa game on Saturday. Injury news. We're still waiting on Sesk. We're still waiting on Sesk. Arsene Wenger says we're very pessimistic, uh, but he's thinking he has a good chance. He says we'll make a test uh, tomorrow, but we think he'll be short for Saturday. That said on the blog, I think uh, if you could uh, miss Sesk for, you know, two or three games, if you had to in the season, these are the kind of games that you would pick to miss him for, get him back uh, fit and well for for Chelsea uh, and make sure he doesn't miss that. Um, As well as that, uh, Gail Clichy and Alexander Hleb are going to have hamstring and thigh tests. Uh, Robin Van Persie, though, on the main website, it just says Robin Van Persie, of course, is still out. But on Football 365, they quote Arsene Wenger as saying, Robin Van Persie is out for two or three more weeks, which is a bit of a pain in the arse, I have to say. We were expecting him back a little bit sooner. There was even talk that he might have been back for the Wigan game, and now we're looking at another two or three weeks. But I suppose whatever it takes to get him uh, fully fit again, it's just such a shame with Robin. And if he could stay a whole season fit, all season long, uh, he'd destroy destroy the league and scoring records, I think. He's just uh, fantastic, but he gets... 
so unlucky with injuries. And it's not like one niggly thing after another. They've been big things. The metatarsal, the the injury with his knee, that if you saw the picture of it, you can only imagine um, how close he came to being out for a lot longer uh, than he actually has been. And other things, there was broken toes. And, you know, so it's not just a series of niggly little things. He's had some serious injuries. So, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But it'll be great to have him back uh, sooner rather than later. Matthew Flamini is back as well, so he should go back into the midfield in the absence of Sesk. And uh, uh, it's going to be a difficult game, I think, because Aston Villa will be on a high after a 4-0 win uh, over Blackburn um, on Wednesday night. Blackburn only had 10 men, but uh, Villa still uh, put four past them. Uh, they're now in sixth place. They're level on points with Liverpool and only six points behind us, even though they have played uh, a game more. So it's not going to be any kind of a walkover. Um, and then on Wednesday, we've got Newcastle away at the first of two games in the Northeast uh, Middlesbrough away uh, at the weekend, next weekend. Uh, but Newcastle away, um, Newcastle not doing very well, very poor against Liverpool uh, last weekend. Uh, Sam Allardyce under some pressure there, and obviously he'll have his team um, out to get us, you would imagine, uh, because that's just the kind of guy he is. He'll love to put one over on Arsene Wenger and, and put it down to his team spirit they'll be out to kick us on wednesday night absolutely no doubt about that and it would be lovely absolutely lovely to heap a bit more pressure on big fat sam uh, because he's not the most popular man up there at the moment and were we for example to score a number of goals in reply to their none that would put him under even more pressure and make his life even more miserable and nobody could have an argument with that so that's um that's about it isn't it we'll wait and see what happens uh, at the weekend with the injuries and all that kind of stuff but uh here's to some uh here's to some points between now and the next time that we speak i'll see you all next week on the blog uh, so have yourselves a good weekend until next week's arsecast goodbye Samaritans, how can I help you? Hello, yeah, I run an Arsenal blog and, and not enough people read it. Well, have you thought about using really provocative headlines to draw people in from sites like News Now? Yeah, I've done all that, I really haven't. I've even tried putting loads of exclamation marks after my, after my headlines. It's not making any difference. Have you thought about learning how to read and and write, and spell, and the, you know, grammar, syntax, those things. I don't want to do any of that really hard stuff. I just want to make loads of money out of my blog. <laughs> I think I'm going to kill myself. Have you thought about hanging? That's probably the most effective and, and easiest to carry out. Otherwise, you could just run a pipe, you know, from your exhaust in through the window of the car. 
or you know take a load of uh, uh, of pills or or you know if you've got any kind of weapon in the house you could you could use that or you could slit your wrists yeah have you thought about that you could go drown yourself like that bloke out on manic street preachers try that if you want do you live anywhere near the humber bridge do you you could climb up that and jump off it or, or any really tall thing apart from a mountain you know you wouldn't really get the same falling as you would a tall building would do telecom tower if you're in london maybe try that whatever you do don't let me put you off yeah cheers cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com